0: Welcome
1: to Memphis Machine.
0: A Muddy Pig production. I'm Jonathan Bass.
1: And I'm Carl Kasperson, and together we're looking to show off the creative sights and sounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. For this episode, we got to sit down with Stephen McMahon. At Ballet Memphis. Scottish dancer extraordinaire and artistic
0: director. It was a great interview.
1: Actually, it was mind-blowing because dancing is hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? It turns out it's physical.
1: It turns out professional dancing is really hard. Uh, of course, it takes crazy dedication, but there's a lot that goes into just running a company, a dance company. Um, their new facility is a knockout, by the way.
0: Yeah, you should get there. We, I we mean, you can't that. miss it if you're in Overton area. And yes we were in the fly studio. Is yes, that, that what, yeah. they've got a great projector. Oh yeah, was it? Like <laughs> I don't know. Sixty, I don't know. But it's, great. Or, it's crazy. No,
1: they, they've even hosted uh, some independent film uh, festivals there as well. I, oh. as a side note, uh, no. But Stephen was gracious to um, walk us through uh, what it's like to, to run uh, a dance company uh, school as well. Uh, how about those special shoes?
0: Yeah, they're no kidding. Right? We get into spe- we, we get, get to tour the shoe room. They have a special job title. Yes for shoe manager. Shoe master. Right.
1: <laughs> Our manager.
0: Uh, but check it out. Which hey, Which kind of blew me away. That I mean, no, that, it was, the back shop was pretty crazy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and just all the information we learned just about shoes was pretty nuts. We talk about his choreography, his method.
1: Pedagogy, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and it was it was a lot of fun. Enjoy this episode. Enjoy it.
1: Well, we are rolling, we're here. Uh, Memphis Machine at Ballet Memphis. Wonderful facility. This is gorgeous. First time I've been here. And we are with Stephen McMahon. Do you, do you like Steve or Stephen? Or? Stephen. Stephen. That's Steven. another
2: thing Americans do. They like to chop off the I, end. Yeah. I, uh, this, yeah, I, I, yeah, they do. They I, do, right? I introduce myself
0: as Jonathan John. all the time. I, I hey, John. I, I, how's I, it's probably going? associated with like, You did oh, we,
2: not ask my permission.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen
2: McMahon.
0: Thank you for hanging out
1: with us this morning. And like we just said, this facility, we're in the... What would you call this room? We call this the
2: Fly Studio. Um, yes. This is our largest studio where the dancers work most of the time. Um, and it's also can turn into a 210-seat um, black box theater. That's great. And it's right on Madison, like right there. Yeah, you can see the cars going past.
1: Yes, in a gorgeous facility. So um, Ballet Memphis, uh, uh, an endeavor of, of love, blood, sweat, and tears, I'm sure, as any large uh, format art endeavor is. Uh, how did you become
2: attached to this? How uh, about a little backstory? I'll give you some backstory. Um, I'm originally from Glasgow in Scotland. Yes. And I came to the United States in 2001. Mm-hmm. I went to the Alvin Ailey School in New York oh, to yeah. finish my dance training. I was there for three years. And my last year, um, Dorothy Gunther Pugh in Ballet Memphis came for auditions. They came to look at some men in my ballet class. And they invited me to their audition. And there was about 200 people. <laughs> and I, they offered me a job. And so I at that point, I was just wanting to dance. Mm-hmm. So I would have really gone anywhere at that point. And I came here in 2004. And I've been here ever since. Wow! Yeah.
1: Was, so is that was uh, as like a principal as a dancer per se?
2: Yeah, I was a dancer for twelve years, um, and about I would say not long after I started dancing, maybe my first two years, I started choreographing. Mm. Dorothy's always given people young dancers the opportunity to make dances if they were interested in that, and I kind of got the bug. I always kind of had it. Um, and so I was doing a lot. I was choreographing a little bit, but dancing a lot. And then the the longer I was here, the more that I kind of split. I was doing a lot at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the year before I retired, I was the um, the artistic associate. Anytime you put associate behind something, right, it's all the same. But um, <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. So I was choreographing and dancing a lot. And then in 2016, I decided you know, it's it's probably time to exit st- exit the stage um, gracefully, stage yeah. left, Yeah, you know. Um, it's a hard decision, but
1: yeah. So is, is that not a natural progression uh, for dancers to, to pursue choreo- choreography? Or-
2: I, I think for some of them it, it might be, you know. I, th- I think that if you kind of get, like I said, if you get the bug, you mm-hmm. you might be interested in it. Um, there are a, dancers, they kind of, it's a... An interesting thing that they go through. They kind of have to start their life over again mm. after they stop dancing. Right. You know, like figure out what they want to do. A lot of them go into fitness. They go into teaching dance. Some will go into choreography. Um, it just depends on what they're interested in and, and their needs, what they need to, how, what they, where they're thinking about their life, what's going to happen. That's so. I'm going to go ahead and ask this question. Okay. So it's a
0: technical thing, and I've always been curious about it. So. Uh, music, we have notation, yeah. right How do you <laughs> record, so to speak, you know,
2: how, do you, how do you notate choreography? there are there are codified ways that people do it. Mm-hmm. I do not have one um, at all there There are just different types of it people call there is one called Laban notation, um, where it is on a musical stave or hmm. I think that's what you, how oh, you call wow. it and it's very it's very complicated. most people don't know it. Um, mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a little old fashioned now, I would say, um, for me, um, I rely a lot on video and dancers because they learn dancing from a very young age. They're used to remember their body muscle, their muscle memory. Yeah. Right. Um, and so for me, when I'm choreographing, I don't remember things very well. <laughs> I can, I'll figure out what it is yeah. and then it's given to them and then I can watch it and then for a lot, I have to rely on them because once it's especially now that I'm not a dancer, I don't move the same way, right. so it's harder to remember. But yeah, the people have their own systems. Um, I know that some of our choreographers like to write everything down. You know, they'll they'll write all those big long French words or <laughs> the, the more contemporary it is the harder it is they'll be even like bent knee to the left you know like it's more complicated but everybody has their own little system Right. but um, at Ballet Memphis we don't use any um, specific um, like codified
0: yeah you know you, you see like I've, I've taught a lot of music appreciation so you know uh, you get to write a spring or something and, and it says original choreography on the video that I'm showing you know, it's like I've always kind of how do you know is it, you know, <laughs> you know, so what was the system to hand that down pre video? Yeah. Know, yeah. Kinda... Yeah.
2: The, I, I think that's a great, that's a good question. How do you know? Yeah. Um, you just kind of trust. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, I jump off to a lot
1: like history of Memphis ballet and all that, but before, since you brought it up, um, the rigors of being a dancer, um, you know, growing up, I've heard, you know, what, what's harder than being a professional musician? Well, being a professional dancer is going to be, and, and, and even probably even being harder than a, a, a professional athlete. It's brutal. It's brutal, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's quite, can you talk about that? Yeah,
2: for sure. It's, I mean, and it's different for everybody, but I um, think the one thing that everybody has in common is it's a hustle. It's really hard. Um, you're being asked to kind of learn this weird language where your body is being asked to do things that are um, not common, not normal um, and it takes hours and hours and hours of conditioning and practice and trial and error and Dancers develop a really thick skin really early on. You, know, you have they, to. They, they're, they're, you can look at yourself in a mirror, but you're constantly being told, you know, what is right, what is wrong. Wow. And that's all subjective, but for the most part, there is, you know, there's um. at least with ballet technique, there are basic things that you must be able to do, um, and it and it's repetition. Right. It's over and over again. And then the older you get, the the more sure of your technique you get, that um, that's when it starts to get a little sad sometimes because you're like maybe dancing the best you've ever danced. Mm. I can say that for myself. And then you start to feel it, you know, like your body starts to, your knees start to hurt. Mm, I've got screws in my knees of like, it's just, it's brutal. Wow. So uh, professionals,
0: what would you say? I mean, exceptions aside, you know, how
2: early are they starting? How early are they starting? Men start a little bit later than women, um, but women are probably starting by the, like they're probably getting, they're probably starting when they're about five, but they're serious, getting serious about it by the time they're about 10 or 11. Right. And I started when I was, I was 11. Um, some men start even later than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably no later than 16, at least for ballet. It's just, it's just, like I said, that repetition, that's the only way you can you get it yeah. and over and over again. Same things. Even for the professional company, they'll come in in a couple of hours in the studio and they'll start with a ballet class, which is to warm them up, is to prepare their body. But they'll do things, and the class is different every day depending on what the teacher gives them. But um, there's a format to it. starts with pliés, then tendus, and it builds progressively, and then they move into the center. So they ha- they know what to expect, mm-hmm. and they know what they, for the most part. Um, so it's just practicing, going back to that same thing every day. And then like a typical lifespan of a professional dancer. I think it's different, and I think Madison has gotten better. Sports Madison's definitely gotten better. We have one dancer in the company, Crystal Brothers, who has been here um, for 23 years, mm. Mm. this is the last season. And she's in, she's on fire. She she still looks amazing. Mm. Um, so she's one of the lucky ones who, who can who's been able to kind of push through. I would say probably um, it's different. Maybe 15 years yeah. as a professional. Wow. Um, I didn't quite get to that, but um, and I wasn't injured. I just was. For me, it was it was a decision to. You know, do I want to keep hustling this way? Do I want to keep do I want to keep pushing my body this way, or do I want to kind of find something else? I would assume too the repertoire would change
0: as as you you know you're like eh maybe I'm not going to do that one anymore. But yeah,
2: I think you you get to you get to I mean I got to a point where there were just some things that I did not want to do and Mm. when and when and I didn't have that choice. I still had to do them. (laughs) But when you get to um, if a dancer starts letting fear into their head. Like any kind of doubt like that, mm-hmm. that's when it gets, I think it can get a little dangerous. And so for me, when I was, the, my last few months on the stage, I've had this, like, I've always been pretty, pretty anxious, but I got the, I was always afraid of, is this the time when I'm going to jump and sprain my ankle? Wow. It, you right. know? And maybe I'm just a weird one. We've no, no, no. It's no, really
0: interesting. I heard uh, uh, an interview with uh, Sean Johnson mm-hmm. and she was, that. that's exactly what she said. She's like, when you're... 16 there is no fear you know it's just like and you can't you can't have it yeah and but you know they asked her you know well would you would you do it right now you know would you would you go back she's like i'm terrified to get on the
2: beam right now yeah you know, yeah like and <laughs> yeah, you can't have because it's so um it's so specific if you if that that fear gets into your head it goes into your body and then you're not really you're not present in your body and mm-hmm. you can't I don't think you can do what you're being asked well if you're not here, you know, like then there needs to be that mind, mind body connection. Um, and so for me, that, that, that was a big deciding thing for me that I, I was getting afraid of it. I loved it and I was dancing really, really well, mm. but I had to, yeah, I had to listen to that.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, as far as like with, with ballet Memphis, how, how far back does does that company go?
2: The company was founded by Dorothy Gunther Pew in 1986. Mm. With used to be a school, mm-hmm. um, a youth ballet. It was called Youth Ballet Memphis, um, and so Dorothy hired two professional dancers. The first year she had a budget of seventy five thousand dollars, and she has just been a uh, visionary, disruptor, <laughs> all sorts of things to make this happen. Like where you're sitting right now is because of her Right. Mm-hmm. and her tenacity in trying to to make a ballet company in our city. Yeah. And she, it, studied, she did it.
1: it was, was that a, uh, I mean, being a ballet company in Memphis, is that not an easy, easy thing to do? I think? don't
2: think running a ballet company anywhere is easy. I don't, I think that, um, that... It's, you know, those, these classical art forms are, they're, 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 they can be difficult, I think, for, for people to feel that it's for them. Right. And so Dorothy's made a, a lot of what Dorothy has done is try to kind of, um, break that thought that people might have about it. And so a lot of the repertoire has been tied to the city or tied to the region. All of our work is thematic, um, yeah, we do we do narrative ballets, but all of our mixed repertoire, all of our original work, is is made with um with a thought or an idea that we find compelling about the world, and a lot of it has been um, kind of to celebrate Memphis. Yeah, I
1: I have a hope I don't know if I brought this up in other podcasts, but as as we become even more increasingly digital and automated. And everything that there would be a renaissance of people wanting to see people do things in person.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, like, yeah. like
1: the it, 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 when we interviewed opera Memphis, um, I even told my own story of going to see a an Italian girl and just to hear, uh, a cast of vocalists sing over the top of an orchestra, unaided by microphones and PA. And then the whole, the, the choreography of that, uh, the, the level of, of, awesome musicians and just the whole thing it it impacts you and for some reason seeing people in person do things rather than on a screen or even at a movie what it's a different experience altogether well
2: it's connection right and i think that you know we are in we like to say that we're in the business of inspiration right um and i think that when you're watching dance or i hope that when you're watching dance that you that you or at least with our dancers that you're you see these beautiful people who can do these amazing things, but they're not these like elusive creatures that you couldn't hang out with. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that they're, they're like, you know, like you're so cool and awesome at what you do, but let's go have a beer. <laughs> um, and that uh, the Ballet Memphis has really kind of been founded on that being a place for everybody to come into mm. and come in at your own level. You know, you, you might. Be a big dance fan, or you might not. But but there's something here, something about that seeing people moving. Um, I like to think about that. Everybody likes to move, right? You know? yeah. Right. I think. I mean, you were you. If you think about it, before you could speak, you were you were gesturing, right? You were you, you were like offering your hand to ask for something, you know. So so that's not necessarily dancing, but it's. Um, but it's that that um what am i trying to say we've been as we've been moving our bodies before we really knew what that meant and right. um so everybody has danced inside them somehow we just make it um we just put a little bit more on it
1: yeah the storytelling yeah right? just uh, yeah um, it, this this is a little bit random but i was thinking uh before our, our interview today
2: of uh Netflix one of the original shows the the OA did you see that I watched the first couple of episodes of that show and I liked it but just did not stay with it
1: R- right it, it it's a little strange it it's it's um kind of has an X-Files mm-hmm. vibe you know, which I'm a huge fan of anyway and and I stuck with it and I remember did kind of spoil a little bit Please. okay okay well Basically, there, there's this mystery. Go ahead and look it up. Google it. But uh, surrounding <laughs> it's this been woman, been out for long enough. Yeah, this, this yeah. woman. She's blind. She now can see. But um, in how she's, she had a cap. She was held captive with this other group of specially gifted people. Anyway, by the, the terminus of, of of the end of how these people break through uh, uh, this time space continuum, that are able to manipulate time was was through dance. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 and, and it was. And I remember seeing some stuff online of people were like, well, that was just weird. I'm like, well, no, it, it, all of a sudden that they were able to, uh, and it was, uh, you know, the moves that sh- there was a, a choreography of moves in order to open up this, this time space. I total. love that. It, 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 it freaked me. I, I was completely, I had no idea that's where this was going to where all of a sudden these moves were able, you know, they're able to escape mm-hmm. through
2: dance. That's awesome
1: it, it, it was so I, I would encourage you to maybe check it out no, again, I will, because, I will definitely because I actually thought, oh my goodness that is I had no idea like it completely caught me off guard, and actually i was th- I was thrilled by it, I thought it was like for me being a little bit of an art nerd, I thought it was great, and I thought, man, people need who didn 't see it need, need to get out of their screens That's awesome. you no, know, yeah, but it was it was thinking of how and so talking about that like. Maybe earlier you were just talking about overcoming a stereotype of what people may think of what classical ballet and, and you know that world of what what that is and, and I'm sure um, orchestras deal with that also maybe even, you know, and how they've pursued uh, movie accompaniment night mm-hmm. you know like if they're playing the score to Lord of the Rings or, or Star Wars yeah um, which I think is brilliant yeah um, so uh, someone else we interviewed James Dukes. There was a collaboration with him recently. How, did you get to be a part of that or see that? I made it. You made that. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't I did. know that. So no. please uh, talk about that.
2: Um, James Dukes, I make Mad Beats. His uh, special guy. Isn't he though? My really goodness. is. Anytime he opens his mouth, they're just like, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you
1: just? You should listen to our podcast if, if you don't mind me plugging that <laughs> right right <laughs> now. I mean, he was he was he was so gracious with his time. So it, gracious. It, yes.
2: So honest and. Um, and really cares deeply about the work he's making. Yes. And it's and and um, from the fir- the moment I met him, um, Amelia Thompson, who's our director of development, um, is friends with James. They've known each other for a long time. And I knew that I wanted to make a work. Uh, we were making a mixed repertoire in the fall of 18. Um, and I knew I wanted to be about Memphis music, which we've done a lot of in the past. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel in the city we get a little hung up and on. <laughs> try not to offend. We get a we get a little hung up on the, the those classic those old songs you know that that we all know and love. Sure. And rightfully so, sure. they're awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're when you when I like to think about music in in Memphis there's a lot more Yes, and I wanted to have a show that could show the whole range of that. Mm-hmm. And so the first piece we did was Memphis Suite, and that has the Staple Singers and it has John Lee Hooker and, and all of the, 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 those songs and that, that kind of put Memphis on the music map. Um, one of the other pieces was Julian Baker and then the other piece was, was a collaboration I did with um, Unapologetic mm. and I, I'd seen them perform live a few times. I was like, "This is just cool." Uh, I went to a show at Real Garden. I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. It was packed. Mm-hmm. It was packed of people that I had never seen before. And I was like, "There's something special here. That the the these these, um, these guys are doing something that that's bringing people out." Was that uh, the
0: interactive show by chance? Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. When they're yeah, yeah a great idea. They're they're just super creative. Like always always making mm-hmm. always doing um, and so I got to meet with James and we we talked a little bit and for, for me it was important that that I wasn't just bringing him in to make ballet Memphis cool <laughs> you know and, and and I and I mean that sincerely right. because collaboration is hard um, to do well I think and I wanted it to be beneficial for all of us I wanted people to see that Ballet Memphis could um, we could subvert expectations right Mm. and um, and James and I talked for a long time about how we could do that in a really authentic way that a a way that would that we could all get something out of it and we could all learn and I went to visit them at their studio dirty socks (laughs) and I sat there and just just watched them work for a couple of hours didn't really say very much um, and they have kind of um like a mission statement, almost like a manifesto yeah, <laughs> like written right. above their their studio door. and I read it, and I kept on I kept on reading it. and I was like, that's it. that's thats that's the dance right there. Mm. And I wanted to I wanted to make a piece that was about living unapologetically. And so I thought what that meant. What did that mean to me? you know? And so I thought of all the different qualities or um, yeah, qualities are probably the best, it's probably the best word, that, that people, that you had to live to, you had to have to live a truly unapologetic life, so I thought of words like fearlessness and discipline and, um, community, um, what was the other couple, now I don't remember, and then I took that to James and I said, you already made the piece for me you know you've already told me what it is and so i used that as a kind of blueprint mm. and then i started going into the studio by myself moving around a little bit to some of the music that they had on, on that they'd let me listen to and i sent it back to them and the first day that they came in um there was, there was no original music it was music from that they already made and the first day that they came into the studio I told them, you know, this is this is the fearless section and they started playing stuff and it was right. It was mm. just all right. I didn't have to tell them to do anything. I didn't have they just got it. And you know, we tweaked little things. We say this part can be longer or shorter or, or like they they want the the we saying, "Oh, you don't want to use a whole song here." It's like, "No, I really do. I really want to use this whole yeah. song." And it was just a really special um special time and when they came in, I've never had musicians of any kind come in and work live with dancers or with me while I'm choreographing. Mm-hmm. And so that was, an, that was an interesting experience for me because I'm very obsessive about my music. Mm-hmm. I pick it way in advance and I like immerse myself in it. I know it backwards and forwards and this time around I didn't. I didn't know it so well. And so I, it was. It was happening really in real time with them, and they got along really well with our dancers. And the show was a huge success. It was just great. Loved them. Uh, is, is there
1: plans for a, a, another endeavor?
2: I would love to work with them again. Um, I'd love us to work on something original and mm-hmm. on, like another original piece, like build it from scratch together. Right. Um, and I think we understand how we how we work now. You know. The, the having dancers when you're, when you're choreographing on them, at least for me, it's hard for them to. They need consistency, right? Because we're practicing for a show. Right. So at a certain point, it has to become set mm-hmm. so mm. that they can, they know what tempo it is. And, tempo
1: and everything, right? There
2: are some choreographers who mess with that. Like, you don't know what the music's going to be, and they like. Um, that's not me I don't have that kind I can't relinquish that much control you know um, and so yeah I would love to in the future I really want to get back with them and I don't know maybe maybe a narrative or something could be mm. cool I don't know um, but definitely it's in my heart to do that again with them that's great so you've had some uh, companies uh, play
0: uh, well pl- use your choreography um, I, I kind of had a question on here uh, it's, it's a multi-layered question I suppose <laughs> um, what does it mean as far as and, and how do you do how, how do you go about doing this um, to have somebody else uh, perform your work so like yeah. uh, whether it's in terms of street cred so to speak or do you have you know is there a process that you are trying to get someone to perform your work or do they just kind of stumble upon your work that sort of thing um, and I, I'll go ahead and Add the layers to this question while you're thinking about. It. So, like, do you do you view it as a the same as an orchestra playing someone else's work, or uh, would you say that put it this way? Like on any given, and Carl touched on this earlier. On any given night, there's there are probably a lot more orchestral works being you know just musical works rather than ballet. It seems like. somebody playing your work, you know, doing your work would be a pretty big deal, right?
2: Yeah, it's, um, that's a really, really great question and probably a question a lot of choreographers are asking themselves (laughs) every day. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to to have people perform my work a little bit, but it, it it honestly was, is something that I had, I, th- I thought I wanted for the longest time, Yeah. I thought I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to be hopping around companies all over the country and making work for them or performing works that I'd made before. And that, I realized, is really difficult. Mm. It's really hard to get into, um, it's a bit of a boys club, it's a lot of a boys club. Mm. Um, and I just didn't, I'm not lazy, but I, I didn't have the, um, I keep saying the word hustle because it really is. I didn't, I'm not really great for self-promotion <laughs> yeah, and to be able to do that, you have to push, you have to constantly be sending your work to companies, getting on people's radar. I, I mean, I don't really know how people do it, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest. Um, people send, us. Uh, we get choreographers sending us work all the time, you know, look at my stuff um, look at my links, um, and it is, it's hard, and I, I, may, I personally made a decision at one point, and I think I can make, I could make this decision because I have such a good gig at Valley Memphis, you know, yeah. I can make work here with dancers that I know in a city that I love, and, um, and it can be consistent, mm-hmm. and for a lot of choreographers, that is their job. And so, if you think about it, they're having to do that four, five, six times a year to make a living, yeah. mm-hmm. and that was really frightening to me. I couldn't. T- I was. I was too afraid of um, not having anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, that I. I never really pursued that, but um, th- th- that's the model. That's how people do it. They go around we'll have choreographers come in and then they'll probably go to another two or three companies within a season right. and make a new work or have something that they've done before put on those dancers. Right. Um, what was the second part of your question?
0: I, you, you basically, I think you got them. I, I, I was, it might not have been essentially the question, I just kind of made the comparison to instrumental music you know, or orchestral music, you know I mean? I, you, you tend to run across that you know that that's more available than say a ballet. You know, yeah. So that that's just the, making the point that it would that it was a pretty big deal, a little bit more rare, so to speak. You know. Yeah, so I think some
2: people work. really love that. They love chasing that opportunity. Right. I'm making myself sound really lazy, but um, <laughs> I, th- I think I,
1: th- I think you're describing a personality type. Though, yeah.
2: Right? Yeah. You know. you, you have to have that, that. There's that tenacity there in like. I, I'm saying I, but I have something to say that I think this company will enjoy and um, or or want um, and we we that's how it happens for us we'll hire choreographers and we'll establish a relationship with them and then they'll come back two right. three, four, five times, ten times you know mm-hmm. and and that's just the way it is but for me it was just something that I had my life here and I had, I could make work here. And so chasing it down in other places was something that just, um, I just decided to, to not go that route. Yeah. That doesn't mean it won't happen, Mm -hmm. but for now it just doesn't feel where for my personality.
1: Yeah. You, Yeah. you, You touched on it and it reminded me of our interview with James in that he's a huge fan of promoting Memphis, but his, uh, part of his manifesto in describing Memphis is that uh, the, the same energy that created the hits is still available today yeah. to, to, to make new work to make new things and he's a huge he, he brought that up all throughout our interview I thought yeah, yeah. I mean that, that was that's a huge theme that's a huge flag that he he waves uh, in in Memphis that yeah there's there's rich history nostalgia all of it but this momentum and energy that is available today to, to make new work. I,
2: I think another thing that that, that I, uh, for me and, and the way that I approach work is because I, I started making work at Ballet Memphis, and the way that we do it is just so specific, you know. We have this thematic programming. You know, we've made works about everything, the <laughs> Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. the We've made works about architecture, about food, about... Um, um, art. I mean the list goes on and for for me the thought of going and making something in a company and they're just having free reign to do whatever I want mm. was a little frightening because I liked the, the I liked the parameters that Dorothy was setting. It made me have to learn. It made me have to research, like truly understand what it was I was trying to communicate. Yeah. And some of it's been bust, it hasn't worked, right? But um But that way of working has really, um, has been really rewarding for me. So much so that we're actually about to, we're having our, uh, piloting a new program here. We're calling it the Ballet Memphis New American Dance Residency. Mm -hmm. Um, It got um, operating support from Arts Memphis Enhancement Grant. Because we make work in such a specific way, I thought, you know, we should invite choreographers to come to Memphis and have a cultural immersion experience. Mm. I'm calling it cultural immersion, that's kind of funny, but like come to Memphis for for two weeks with no obligation to make a new work, Uh. but come and listen to people, study, visit museums, visit, like learn about the city, really, really consider the place that you're making work. Mm. Wow. And so we did a national search and we're bringing four choreographers. Three of one of them is local, and four uh, the other th- um, the other three are from out of town. And they're going to come, and I'm going to put them through. And I'm going to send them to to really learn about the city. Hmm. And then at, towards the end of the second week, they'll they'll work with dancers um, for a couple of hours to kind of take what they've learned and put it put like filter it through them. And then we'll have like a little informal showing. And so for them, hopefully. That will be something that they can take with them, with them, with whichever community they go to, whichever city. That they'll know that there's um there's a history and an energy there that they can use to inform their creative practice. And for us, we start to develop a pool of choreographers that know how we that understand the expectation we have of them in creating work. So I'm really excited that that's going to happen. When Um, when does that happen? uh, Next month. It happens right after Giselle. i would do it.
1: That that (laughs) sounds brilliant. I love that.
2: And unusual because most of these residencies are, you know, come and use our space Mm -hmm. and make a dance. I'm simplifying it. But um, I really wanted to take that pressure off of them, the pressure that you have to come and make a dance for us and they will they'll make a they'll make a little thing I'm a little mm-hmm. I'm calling them choreographic studies you know like just um, and that can be however they want but take that pressure away from them and just let them immerse themselves in the city and I'll kind of prescribe some of it but but give them freedom to 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 look at the city however they want hmm. and some of the proposals were great some of the things that people were saying um, somebody was saying like really wanted to research Piggly Wiggly <laughs> <laughs> somebody really um, wanted like people who have had who have like um, their ancestors come from the, 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 the from the region um, so yeah there was people really they really um, applied <laughs> they really came for it
1: wow um a question is just rolling around in my head right now is, is thinking about like pedagogy, thinking about, them. Um, uh, it's been a while since I've taught. Um, Jonathan is, is a current, currently a professor of guitar. Ja- I, I jazz suppose. Guitar? So. Are you yeah. supposed to? Yeah. Um, but I would tell my students if they at all had an, uh, we're both big jazz nerds fans, but it, I would tell my students if they had any kind of inkling at all towards jazz to pursue that because, um, the, the richness that the the depth of jazz affords you to be able to enter into so many musical contexts mm-hmm. could, could you say the same thing about classical ballet that it the pedagogue that it affords or is it is, is it its own animal like in bringing in all the different types of dance that you do here is it
2: I feel that um, that the the classical ballet is foundational right you know like the the way that the the way that you learn it is um, is really important for understanding your body in a certain way but I think when it become when the work becomes more contemporary mm-hmm. um, which all ballet companies are doing now probably most of their seasons are contemporary works that you can see that you can see in the choreography that ballet exists in it and it's and it is because of these ballet trained bodies that they can do this but the I guess for me when that when that became a real thing was when I was at the Ailey school my second year started taking improvisation um, and I remember going in there and being completely freaked out by that <laughs> because I'd lived this life of having all these rules mm-hmm. regimen you know, huh? this regimen yeah. and I understood to me improv was like oh there are no rules this is not the case you know like the the teachers were very um, there's a method to it but it was using it was calling on what you already know and then use it using these methods to kind of expand and for me once i got that i had this base the classical ballet base then i could i could alter it and shape it the way that it felt right to me Mm. and i think for anybody who's a choreographer they probably go through something similar where, where they have their foundation, and then something happens where they see the possibilities. And that's why they continue to make dance, because they want to challenge, the, challenge that in themselves. And, and, and for me, when I first started choreographing, I used to move all the time. I was constantly moving, you know, it was all just how I felt. Um, but then I learned that there really is a craft to it and one of the most important things a choreographer ever said to me was stop moving, Steven. You've mm. already given them enough. Mm-hmm. Stop moving, sit down, stand and watch them. Cuz then you 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 I guess in the beginning I never really understood about how to shape choreography. I knew how to m- make dance, mm-hmm. but I never knew how to shape it. And um and that is that was a really important thing for me to be told because I learned then that it is craft, right? Like you have to, you can have all the feelings and all the, <laughs> you want about movement, but to make something compelling or interesting, you have to, you have to figure out how to shape it.
1: That that's pretty deep. That, that reminds me, you know, the Wynton Marcellus uh, quote when he's talking about no, listening, <laughs> This this is pretty nerdy, but Winton had this quote from the '80s when he was talking about listening to uh, Louis Armstrong or some of the classic early jazz trumpeters. He said this thing of like, "Well, it's not just the notes they play, but think about the notes they didn't play." Mm-hmm. And at first, when I heard that, I thought
0: that's stereotypical, that, sort of like you know,
1: that, it's the notes <laughs> between the notes, <laughs> it's the space, okay, okay, right? But it, and you hear that and you think, oh, that that that's pretty nerdy. Is that pretentious? But He's actually, right. I mean, because in, in when you're in, when you're discussing improvisation with the, with a, a young budding player, and of course I go get a yeah. g- guitarist or gu- it's like you're playing way too much, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like you're <laughs> pull it back, like phrase a melody for me, do do something yes. rather than just chops and just going bananas, like filling. Yeah, that that I that's, used to that's exhaust yeah.
2: myself. Like I used to like just be moving, and the dancers <laughs> would be struggling to keep up with me and. And yeah, it yeah, it was it was too much. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, um, how,
1: what are your thoughts regarding dance as far as like American, where America is that, or maybe the world? I mean, um, maybe do you still do you still travel to Europe, have family, or do, do, do you do? I do. The, um, so how how
2: do
1: how do you how do you see dance? What what lenses do you see through to to look at dance? How do you maybe think? Do you wish the world would? look at dance I mean as to most people consume dance through what used to be music videos but maybe you know uh, an urban situation uh, Mm -hmm. commercials you know like there's a lot like so what that's kind of a big question but how how do you how do you understand dance
2: yeah it it, it's a it is a complicated question and I try to keep I used to be really intense about like following what was going on and I still and I still do um there's always trends that come around Um, I think that I think that there's an appetite for dance but it it seems like it's a complicated one and what I mean by that is people are maybe not so willing to go see it but they're like to watch it right (laughs) you know what I'm talking about so you've got these TV shows for dance which I think have done great things to bring it like um, to bring really amazing dancers to people's into people's consciousness, um, I think that, that the ballet world in particular is being challenged to. It's always been challenged to be relevant, and I'm not sure I know what that means, but um, but to to be I think that for for. Ballet companies and ballet to continue to exist as an art form that people will want to attend, they will have to consider the world they're living in. Mm. I think holding on to the old things, as much as they may be, and I say that and we're about to do Giselle, and I can talk (laughs) about that in a minute, but um, those things are, it's important. I think dance is so smart. I think ballet is really smart. And why not use that art form to serve larger questions about the world than use it to serve itself? Mm. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. And I'm not sure there's only one way to do that. But why not, right? Yeah. Why not? We go to see, we listen to song, we listen to music for, to, to, understand the world we go to movies to to see the human condition you know why why not why not ballet and I think that the world is changing we need um, we we need dance can be equitable dance can be especially if you're an American dance company should look like America, it should tell the stories of American people, all the people, mm-hmm. you know? And and that is something I've learned from being at Ballet in Memphis. I, I'm not saying other companies don't do that because that would be a lie, but we've kind of carved out a space for ourselves that that is, the, that is the root of why we make work, mm. you know? Um, not to serve this art form that's been around a lot longer than us you know, but how can we use it to, to, to really engage, you know? Yeah. That's great. That was
1: beautiful. <laughs> no, that, that, no, that was that was a big question. You, you landed that very well. It's hard. It's hard.
2: No, it's it's tough <laughs> yeah, that's, because that's you you Tough question. You, yeah. you, and it is, and 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 it and you you can answer these questions, and then you, and then I'll probably go away later, and I'll be like cringing because I'll be like, <laughs> you know, now I've got to do that. <laughs> um, but I think the the point of it is to try. Yeah. yeah. And to have. To be really intentional, and to yeah, to try and to give opportunity and let people let let people decide if yeah. it's for them and if it's touching them or if affecting them. Yeah,
1: that's great. So so talk about Giselle. This this, this <laughs> work coming up.
2: Yeah, I just said all that, and then we're going to do the traditional Giselle. <laughs> um, these these ballets are they're like. 300 years old yeah they're old you know like at least when they were made and so they they have relevance or they're still relevant in in the, the show very specific um difficult balance of technical technical ability and artistry and for dancers having a short career, they have things that they want to accomplish before they hang the shoes up, right? Mm. Um, And a lot of the stories, people might think that could be a little problematic in today's world (laughs) in some of them, you know? A lot of the way that that women sometimes are represented in them could be a little, not a little, sometimes just kind of (laughs) one-dimensional, you know? Right and i and so i'm balancing trying to give dancers meaty things for them to improve and feel like they the the they can like really sink their teeth into but also in charge of programming something for an audience to enjoy and so i looked at Giselle and looked and been watching Giselle for years but then i started to really think about the themes that i saw in it and um you know there's this this Fragile, fragile girl who gets duped by a prince and falls in love with him and ultimately dies and then comes back as part of a vengeful cohort of women (laughs) to make him dance to death. That's it. Come get your tickets, y'all. And... And that might, that's it in its most simple form, but when I was looking at it, there are, some, there are things like, there's things about class, there's things that, you know, there's all, and a lot of those story ballads there's, you know, there's always some kind of monarchy or, you know, mm. like those relationships, that's a very, that's a very relevant thing, you know, now, um, who has power, mm. Mm. what are you doing with power, um, it feels very relevant to to the conversation that women are having right now um, about a group of women saying no. Mm-hmm. No, I will not stand for being treated this way. Um, and you could say it's about forgiveness, which it is, but is that enough? Is it enough to just say that it's okay to forgive somebody? And I guess what I mean by that is why did you do, you' got you've been forgiven? what are you going to do now to make yourself better? and so the ballet is not going to answer any of those questions, but it 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 allows us to talk about it in a way that is, um, that I feel connects it to now mm. um, and so i I like to try and dig through through work and see where is it connecting to where we are where we're at as a society right now
1: a, a parable almost yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, For
2: sure. Wonderful.
1: And then the re- well, I said redo the Redux. Redux. Yes.
2: Yeah. So we're going to do the Giselle Redux, and and we're doing that this weekend before before the, the the traditional version in April. And the I want I wanted us to do it because I wanted to show some of these iconic moments mm-hmm. from the from the traditional ballet, so that people could kind of get a sense of what they might see or what they will see. And then I asked two of our dan- um, one of our dancers and our um, rehearsal assistant, who's also a dancer, to look at those themes and those um, those things that are that are inherent in the, the narrative and pull them out and remake them however mm. they wanted to. Um, and they actually done they've done a pretty good job because it, it is complicated, but the, the the you can see them thinking about it. And that's all I want is I just want choreographers to be thoughtful. Like think about what you're doing, not just think about the steps and the craft of what you're doing, but that you're 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 responsible for relaying something, whether it's a narrative or an idea, to people who are watching. So that's what the redux is about.: That's great. yeah, I can't wait. My wife and I are coming to see that.
0: super excited. very cool. um I can't let this go though please I have a I have a question I know we've been getting into the deep stuff
1: (laughs) I mean I I love it's heavy I love the philosophy yeah it's great I mean
0: it's it's important but I couldn't help to note, but but notice that you have an um a member of your staff here
2: whose title is shoe manager (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) we do um it's probably one of the things that people don't know so much about a ballet company um You all know that women dance on point, right? They are in point shoes. They're hard shoes. Mm -hmm. They're made out of, it's basically fabric and glue that is layered. And these um, are customized to each of the dancers. They order them from a company in, most of them order them from a company in London called Freed of London. And that's like one of those old timey shops Mm. where still made by hand. They're made by hand. Like
1: Hogwarts or something, huh? Literally.
2: (laughs) The, and the, these guys, and they have apprentices who learn like, oh, that kind of thing, like old-time okay. yeah. craftsmanship, and they're beautiful. I'll take you back there, and I can show you some after we're done, because um, it's fascinating. And the, each of these men who make the—and there's probably women who are making them as well—they um, customize them, so they all have their own little stamp so you look on the bottom of a shoe and there's like an anchor or, I don't know, a C or something like that. And so that's how you know who made it. Mm-hmm. And these these um, these craftsmen are making these shoes and our women will say, I need it to be longer here, I need it to be harder here, I need a little extra there. So it's like this super complicated process. And they could go through two or three of them a week if they really wanted oh. to. And they're about 150 dollars each. They're really It's really expensive. Wow. And so we have to have somebody here who manages that. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do a lot of their work. Right. because they die so quickly um, depending on like now the shoes not the dancers no. <laughs> yes they, yeah the <laughs> shoes that's what they say they say my shoes are dead um, and they like them in different ways you know if they're doing something that is um, where they need to balance a lot more mm-hmm. they'll probably want them to be a little harder if they're doing a contemporary work that is on point um, they'll want their feet to be able to be a bit more supple so that they can move um, but you should you should see them sometime they, they cut and s- they break these things these beautiful shoes come out of this little beautiful bag and then you destroy them like mm. they break them and they rip things out of the inside they'll darn them they sew ribbons on them mm. yeah it's super complicated process mm. that's really personal to all of them and sometimes they put jet glue in there to keep them hard <laughs> they'll bake them in the oven like all these crazy things they do, I never had to deal with any of the, any of that because I was a dude. But um, so uh, glad I asked this question because that is <laughs> only amazing. It's, it, it really is. It's fascinating. Um, and our the, look, actually just going back into the shoe storage area. It's like you see it just bins of point shoes um, yeah. that are for women. Yeah, that's wow. pretty. That's cool. remarkable. Is is there
1: anything else within that that's like that in in in, in your world? That people are not aware of.
2: I would say that's probably the most. Um, that's probably the most fascinating one, because directly tied to they, they need them to be able to do what they have mm-hmm. to do. Right. But then they need to figure out themselves what they need to do with that shoe to be able to do what they need to do. You know. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would say that's probably the biggest one for sure. That's great.
0: I'm out. You're out. Um, Actually, I'm saying that because I I believe I see.
1: Oh, I think some people are working. Yeah, on up, time. Yeah. On time. Um, we'll we'll edit this all too. Um, so, in any anything like hopes for the, for the future. Or like, obviously, you sound like you're you're looking to stay in Memphis for a while. That you enjoy. Yeah, Is m-
2: there, my my husband and I bought a house here a couple of years ago, and um, and making roots. I'm here. I'm yeah. in it. Yeah. I'm in it. Why why not? I love this place. I love love the pace of my life here. I like my work. Yeah, I just, I, I want, you know, obviously I want people to come and see the ballet. I want people to to really look at all the wonderful things that Memphis has to offer because it really has a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for, to the people that I've met here mm. that have made it feel like a home. You know, I'm not from here. I've lived in America almost as long, well, actually, as long as I've lived in, I lived in Scotland. So I'm kind of this, I'm kind of a, I'm a child of both. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in Memphis, like became an adult here, mm. you know, and all the things that that means. But yes, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you so very
2: much uh, for
1: carving out some time for us today. Um, come out and see some people move their bodies, tell a story with beauty and precision <laughs> and passion amen amen (laughs) i hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as i did as much as we did
0: i had a wonderful time and the shoe room blew my mind
1: shoe room shoe room was a bonus that was really cool you need to go to balletmemphis.org and uh see what the calendar is see anything and everything um they are hard at work creating their collaboration with james dukes was remarkable
0: yeah that's right
1: so they are always uh appropriating uh new ideas uh expanding ballet doing the classics and 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 broadening their creative horizons
0: working with organizations around the city and it's not only ballet and the facility there they have pilates yes other classes so check them out ballet